Well, good morning, everybody. You know what? I will tell you, it has been a heck of a day already. Um, trying to get this podcast out to you guys. Um, usually, I try and record the podcast the day before, just so I make sure that it gets out to you guys in time. And you know what? It has just not been working this week. Um, like last week, I know we talked about, I didn't really have a topic in mind that I wanted to talk to you guys about. And this week, it's more like I am having trouble getting this podcast out to you guys. Um, everything from, it is now Wednesday morning that I'm recording this podcast. And usually I try to record it the day before just to make sure that, you know, it gets out to you guys in time based on different time zones and stuff. I don't control that. The app that I use is to distribute the podcast handles all the different time zones, but I do know that I need to have it out at a certain time. To make sure that I hit all of those time zone regions. Um, And so I'm so sorry um, if this is getting to you guys a little bit late. But I will tell you, Satan is doing everything possible um, to make sure that this podcast either doesn't get out or it gets out super, super late. And you know what? We're not having that today. It's been everything from, I have a cold, if you can't tell. So please forgive me if I'm snuffling and messing up words and I sound funny. Um, But I figured power through the cold. And then um, I'm, I'm recording this at home right now. And so um, I just had a family member walk in um, uh, yelling about some really fun, exciting news. But it was we were already about five minutes, six minutes into the original recording that I had for this. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. It means that wasn't the recording that was supposed to go out today. And so we're starting it all over, um, and we're trying this again. So, hi, everybody. How are you this morning? I hope you're having a beautiful Wednesday. Where I'm at, it's a little gray and dreary, but that's okay. You know what? We're lucky that we get to um, have another beautiful morning. And so, um, yeah, it's a little gray and dreary where I'm at. Hopefully it's more sunshine and roses where you all are, and there's no rain. Um, Like I always do, I want to go ahead before we start this podcast and just say that I am not theologically trained. I have never had any kind of biblical schooling. Um, It is simply just me sitting in my bedroom talking to you guys about some things that I feel like God put on my heart this week or that maybe, I don't know, were some things I just wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, So I'm also reading out of an NIV version Bible today. I always love to state what version of the Bible I'm reading out. So you can go ahead and grab your own version or you could grab your NIV and we can read along in the same version. Um, all my other <laughs> versions of my Bible, my, my New King James and my King James Version are at my friend's house. And so they are out of reach. So I pulled out my trusty and true Bible. If you guys look at the Jesus in Mind podcast, this is the Bible that you guys are seeing 99% of the time. Um, because this is just my daily Bible that I love dearly and is all marked up and scribbled in. But I love this Bible half to death. Um, unlike last week, I don't I don't have a problem finding a topic. So that last week we had a problem trying to find a topic to talk about. And this week I don't. I have the reverse problem. I have too many topics that I want to talk about. And so I kind of wanted to break this down and uh, just pick one. Because I think some of these topics need talked about in a little more extensive detail. Um, and then last and final bulletin note that I will get out there so we can stop rambling and actually get into the material that you guys clicked on this podcast to hear about in the first place is that I'm going to start putting a question bar up in the Jesus of Mind Instagram stories, um, usually probably the day before this podcast release. And I want you guys to go ahead and put any questions you have, 
about anything in there. And then we will start answering them here on the podcast. Um, We'll make that a whole different section of the podcast. All right, now that I've talked for a solid four and a half minutes about everything under the sun except for what the title of this podcast is about, we're going to go ahead and dive into what um, what we kind of wanted to dig into today. And today's kind of like a Bible study vibe. Um, it's ray, gray, gray and rainy outside, and so I figured let's do a Bible study, and we're going to be studying Daniel today. Um, every, like... In my daily readings lately, I've been reading through Daniel and I've been reading through David. And I've just been so impressed upon how those two men are so similar in so many aspects. It's insane. And I had never made the connection before until I started um, trying to work my way through the whole Bible. Um, it's amazing how these two men are so similar and are in two completely different areas of time. Um, so I'm not going to dig too much into David today because we dig into David a lot and he's fantastic and he's an amazing man and we have so much to learn from him, but I want to dig into Daniel a little bit more and not really just the whole lion's den scene. I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about first starting out when he first, um, you know, starts training in Babylon. And I just kind of wanted to talk through my thoughts on it. And what I've noticed is that Daniel was so determined. So determined. It doesn't talk a lot about him speaking out. Um, In chapter 2, verses 14, at the end of verse 14, it says, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. So we know that Daniel was extremely well-spoken. He was very wise and tactful. Um, my family calls it politically correct um, in his manner of speaking and in the words he's saying. But we don't see him speaking out a lot. David spoke out a lot. Um, we've seen David um, was more the, the, the tongue of fire. Um, he would go to bat for God. Like He, he spoke out against Goliath and against um, all of Saul's army who was just allowing Goliath to disrespect and dishonor God's name and God and God's people. And so we see that um, Daniel's a little bit the opposite. Daniel's very tactful, very well-spoken, very careful with the things he says, um, but he was extremely stubborn, maybe that's a good word, um, determined. In making sure that he follows God's will. And we see this in chapter 1 um, verse 8. And it says. And this is talking about when um, the exiles first got to Babylon. And the king had set aside these certain young men. Um, to be um, in his in his workforce. His servants. Um, whatever you want to call them. The king's service. That's the right wording. And um, I have a sick brain. I'm sorry. And uh, in verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now we see this is when um, the king has put these exiles on a specific diet that did not follow Jewish rules and regulations and customs of what was um, posher to eat. And so um, we see that Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He didn't set up a fight. He didn't 
start yelling or he didn't create a scene. It just says that he resolved, which means it, it in his own head, in his own personal space, he decided, I'm not doing this thing, no matter the outcome. And he went ahead and went and peaceably talked to the official. And it says, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But, but he was still scared of the king, so he still stood up against him. And, it, and we see because of, of Daniel standing up for himself and for others, um, God really blesses him. But I do notice that, actually while I'm saying that, um, in my side notes it says, um, one common thing, um, theme among strong men is that they will stay on their ground and lead the way, even if no one else will. David did this a lot. Ta-da. And so, yeah, I agree. I think that David and Daniel had this in common. And it's that even if everyone else is doing their own thing, it doesn't say any of the other young men, the other exiles, any of the other young um, Jewish men stood up. Daniel was the only one. And then it says that because Daniel stood up, he also asked for it to be done for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It doesn't ask that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, ask for those things. It says that um, he did it. Be, they got it. The results of that because of because of Daniel, and so um, Daniel really led the way, and because of that, others followed. And that's a common thing is that if one person is brave enough to stand up for what is right, most of the time others will follow. And so we see moving on into chapter 2 that Nebuchadnezzar has one of his first recorded dreams. And, um, you know, he, he seems like, while well, a very cruel king, a very wise king. And basically it summarizes that he had this dream, he called in all the astrologers, he called in all, all of the enchanters, sorcerers, the magicians, and he said, what is this dream? And they go, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. And he goes, no, 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 no. You tell me the dream, and you tell me what it means. And they go, well, we can't do that. No one can do that. And he goes, no, you need to tell me where you die. And so we see that he was a very smart king, while cruel, smart. Because um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm calling you in here. And you're supposed to be telling me what this, this dream is. And they're like, oh, you, you tell me the dream. And uh, we'll tell you what it means. Yeah, no, they could come up with absolutely anything once you've told them the dream. So I think that was super smart of him to be like, no. No, you, you need to tell me what it means. And they said basically, no one can do that. No one could do that. And, uh, and it said it made the king extremely angry. Um, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. Now, please note, Daniel at this time is one of those wise men. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. I'm going to botch this name up. When Eric, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. So again, we see Daniel stepping in, leading the way when no one else would. And in a very peaceful, non-confrontive, non-aggressive way. And he interprets the dream. And it's just amazing to me because we see this time over and over and over and over again. 
is Daniel just standing his ground no matter the consequences? But he is always the first one to stand up for what is right and even to go to go to the defense of those like the astrologers and the magicians, people he doesn't even agree with, just to do what is right. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And now we're getting into the the um the famous parts of Daniel, and that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the flaming furnace. Um, I do notice that Daniel's not mentioned at all in this time. So I don't know if he was out of town doing king's business. I don't. I, if we have any biblical theologians out there, um, I think like Ben Shapiro <laughs> would know this. Um, come on in and give me give me the the background because I'd love to know on this. But I don't know where Daniel is at this time. I don't know if he's simply within, um, you know, the king's favor and the king is protecting him from this. I don't know. But Daniel's not mentioned, and I can't see him just bowing down to this giant gold statue of the king. I mean, he's already stood up to the king how many times? I just can't see it. And so, um, again, we see the astrologers trying to cause problems, and they come forward and they denounce the Jews they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zir, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods, nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So basically, does anyone feel like like a certain set of people were targeted? Do you think that maybe um, they weren't even going for the mass Jews? They were going for three specific Jews? Yeah. So it says that he became furious with, Nebuchadnezzar became furious with rage. He summoned them, basically said, is this true? They said, and basically said, I'm going to throw you in the furnace if, if you don't do it. And then he says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? It's a little prideful, don't you think? Now, I have certain sections in my Bible that I highlight as favorites. These are like the verses that just, I love to death. And so this next section is really, it's, it's highlighted as a favorite. And it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve you, serve your gods, or worship the image of gold you have set up. I'm going to read that again. It says, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and, we will de- and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Yeah. I love that. I just do. It's 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 a kind of faith that I want. It's it's the kind of 
It's the, it's the willingness to give up your own life. No matter what. No matter if the king heats the oven. The, the furnace, I'm sorry. The furnace seven times hotter than usual. No matter if the soldiers taking you to it are killed outside of it just by the intense heat radiating off of it. No matter if a king who has all the power in the world is you are now his mortal enemies at this moment. You are willing to give up your life to stand on the fact that you will not bend the knee to a false god. There's another verse. I'm going to have to find it. I'll put it in the show notes. But it's like basically saying um, if you're not willing to be persecuted um, for your faith then I will not know you in heaven. And I don't have to find the exact verse but I don't know why that hit me so heavy the other day. Just the absolute faith of these three men Basically saying, our God could deliver us, but even if he does not, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. And so they threw these three men, firmly tied, they fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. The fourth looks like a son of the gods. Because he is a son of a god. I don't know, this chapter just really... I loved this chapter. And my favorite part was jumping down to chapter 3, verses or verse the end of verse 29 and it says for no other god can save in this way and Nebuchadnezzar is talking to Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego at this point once they've been you know they've walked out of this furnace that's so hot that no one can go get them and he said um, basically therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Amen. He's right. I mean, he is right on that point. No other God can save in that way. Alright, moving on to um, chapter 4. This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a tree. Um, and I'm not going to dig too much into this one because it's mainly dealing with Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and just this whole chapter is Nebuchadnezzar basically being very prideful and just very conceited with himself. But basically he has this dream. He's super cocky about it. And then... He In verse 19 it says, Then Daniel also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and he thought it's terrified him. And this is, this is um, Nebuchadnezzar 
Uh, I'm so sorry. My brain is blinking out so badly right now. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar. I was thinking Belshazzar. Um, Nebuchadnezzar called in um, Daniel and was like, Hey, got another dream for you. Can go ahead and just interpret this for me, please. And so Daniel, you know, starts praying and starts to give the interpretation of this dream. And that says in verse 19, Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. I think that the reason Daniel's thoughts terrified him is because he's seeing this, this ruin of this king who has so much power that he could kill David right or Daniel right there. And it is this thing basically where he's having to announce, Hey, you're prideful. All this stuff you have that you keep claiming credit for, it's not yours. You're gonna be turned into basically a wild animal for seven years. But did Daniel cower from it? Nope. When he was asked about it, um Belshazzar, or Daniel, says, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your Majesty, you are the tree. And so he just jumps right in and starts talking about this. He doesn't shy away from it at all. And as we keep moving on um, into chapter 5, I, I kind of think like we're starting to see um, Daniel just getting annoyed. We've moved on from Nebuchadnezzar now. Now we're on to King Belshazzar. Um, and he's just, he's, I feel like he's getting annoyed. <laughs> and so this is the writing on the wall. This is what that chapter is about. And, um... I highly encourage you guys to grab your Bible and read along. I'm probably just going to put um, the chapters that we're reading through today in the show notes. And then I ask, I highly encourage you to just grab your Bible and read along with me. But um, it, he basically uh, sees this handwriting on the wall. Nobody can interpret it. His wife comes to him and basically says, hey, there was this man that worked for your father. Like, Belshazzar doesn't even have the knowledge of state to know the men that his father relied upon um, for counsel. But his wife did. And women back then were not highly involved in politics. So I'm very curious about that. But in chapter 5, verse 17, it says, when they've called Daniel in, and they're like, basically, "Eh, you know... Can you just interpret this dream and then I'll give you a gold chain and you'll be the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Not even the second. It's just the third. Like, you're third best. <laughs> but I'll give you a gold chain, too. And in verse 17 it says, Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your reward to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing on for the king and tell him what it means. Like I just see Daniel just being like, are you serious? Are you for real? Like, come on, dude. Really? And so he goes ahead and he interprets this dream. 
or the writing on the wall for this king. And it, this just blows my mind. He, he, he goes basically like, look, your dad had this, you know, this thing spoken against him. And God punished him. And he repented and got on track. You've been given the same opportunity, even after watching what happened to your dad, you've been given the opportunity over and over and over again to fix your ways, and you just refuse, even after watching what happened to your dad. This time, you can't get out of it. Basically just saying that. And my favorite part is, he preaches all this stuff, he tells them, you're going to die, like, this is the end, it's done, there's no hope. This is what the writing on the wall says. And in verse 29, the only response, the only response that is given after in verse 28, it says your kingdom is divided and give it to the Medes and Persians. Verse 29 says, then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple and a gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So basically, he was told everything's going to end. And... He just was like, oh, cool, Here, here's a gold chain. I'm going to go back to partying. Like the level of immaturity and selfishness and just wanton disregard. That's insane to me. It's absolutely insane. I can't imagine being in that place. And then we move on to King Darius. And to me, Darius just sounds selfish and prideful and weak. Um, he seems to have some form of a conscience. Um... Basically, these these men are looking for a reason to get Daniel in trouble. They were they were um, very jealous of Daniel and his favor favoritism with the king, but it says they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Um, I love that he was neither corrupt nor negligent. So he was hardworking and trustworthy, and that's something we should be applying to ourselves, um, because obviously the enemy sees that as a threat. Um, so they go through this whole thing of, oh, you know, the royal um, administrator's perfect stirrups, stirrups and advisors and governors have all agreed. And the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any other god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. And King Darius put the decree in writing. So basically, they are flattering him to death. They're like, look at all this stuff. They should only be praying to you. And he's like, oh, you know what? You're right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in the highest decree in the land that cannot be changed even by the king. He doesn't sound extremely bright. He just sounds like he had his ego and his pride flattered. And he kind of rolls with that. And when they found Daniel... And they accused Daniel, and it said, Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown in the lion's den? So basically, they found him praying, which was against the decree. And they went to the king and said this. And the king's like, Oh yeah, this decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And they were like, Well, guess who did it? check it out it's your boy Daniel um, and in verse 14 when the king heard this he was greatly distressed he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him 
So basically, he's like, oh, what have I done? He just sounds like he's very immature, ruled by pride and his ego being flattered. And, like, even he knows, like, what he did was a mess up. Because in the end of verse 16, it said, the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Like, even he knows. Even he knows. I mean, he asked later, like, Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continually be able to rescue you from the lions? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. He just, he liked his ego, his pride being flattered. And then later it says, I issue a decree that every part of my kingdom must fear and reverence the God of Israel, Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth and on the earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus of Persia. The Persian. So basically, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just going by the whims and fancies of what people flatter his ego and his mind. So be on guard as Christians at people flattering your ego or your pride. Because they're not always good intentions. Um... I know today's episode is a little longer than normal, and I'm so sorry for the rambling and stuff. I'm sure um, that I have rambled quite a bit and not made complete coherent sense, but I really wanted to get a podcast episode out to you guys today, um, because the Bible preaches a lot about how God favors consistency, and my goal for this podcast and this um, Instagram channel is just to reach people in any way that I can, even if it's one person. Um... And not any way I can, any way that the Lord wills it to. Forgive me. Um, even if it's just one person. And um, I'm, I'm sorry if my sick brain got the best of me today. But that's all for today, guys. I'm so excited that you decided to join us here today on the Jesus and Mind podcast. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you and make his face shine upon you. I hope you guys have a great day. Until next Wednesday, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.